listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Connolly. On each episode, I'll have a guest who will give us a peek into what it looks like for her to run on mission in her everyday life. Our prayer is that it leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news right where you're at. Hey, gals. A few years ago when I moved to Charleston, I was just sort of figuring life out and learning how to have some kids at home and also do business and do ministry. And I needed babysitters. I needed people to help with my kids. And I met this young college gal who seemed to have her hands full, but still had a little bit of time to babysit. And her name was Emily Hoisington. She babysat for me a few times and I could tell just from our brief interactions, she had purpose in her steps that she knew where she was going, that God was guiding her, and that she was an obedient follower, that she was going to go wherever he asked her to go and do whatever he asked her to do. Since then, it's been my joy to watch the nonprofit that she started grow. It's called Charleston Hope, and it is making a huge, huge impact in our city and in the kingdom of God. I've gotten to hear her teach, and I've gotten to watch her lead, and it has been beautiful. You are going to be so blessed by this episode. You are going to hear so many things that I think will encourage you and inspire you to just keep running and keep using what God's given you. Enjoy this episode with my friend Emily Kerr of Charleston Hope. so blessed today to have my friend Emily on the podcast. Thank you so much for making the time to chat with us and talk with us. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, okay. I know a little bit about your job. I know a little bit about what your day-to-day life looks like, but I still don't know everything. Will you share a little bit about what life looks like for Emily? Yeah. First, I am almost nine months newly married. So that's a whole journey in itself. So I'm a new wife. I live in downtown Charleston and I get the opportunity to lead and to run a local grassroots nonprofit organization called Charleston Hope that started really when I was 18 years old and have just grown it and my time in college and then being out of college and We now have a staff and a team, and so that's my day-to-day life. I actually get to live just two blocks away from the high-poverty Title I school that we're in, so I'm getting to know neighbors and getting to know a lot of the kids and the kids' families that we're getting to serve during the school hours, you know, getting to know them on a personal level. So, And then my husband is a worship pastor at a church called Awaken Church in North Charleston, and so I am newly learning what it means to step into ministry alongside him, which feels like a lot. It feels like a heavy weight to be leading Charleston Hope and then to ultimately be leading the worship ministry with my husband, Andrew. So I feel like this season for me right now is learning how to balance in my day-to-day life and how to manage really all that God's gifted me to be a part of. So that's kind of my everyday life. Yeah. Okay. So I had this unique perspective of getting to see a little bit of Charleston Hope, not at the like very, very beginning, but in some of the beginning days, but will you tell people 
about how this came to be, what what you guys do and how it started. Yeah, absolutely. So it started at my kitchen table when I was 18 years old and my sister taught in a high poverty Title I school and she was having an incredibly hard year, like most first year teachers. But then when you add in just all of the needs that kids have in high poverty Title I schools, I, being her sister, she lived at home at the time and she was about to get married. And I slowly just watched her joy for teaching kind of dwindled. She was exhausted and she wasn't getting a lot of support and, and all that kind of stuff and really just had a heart for her. I grew up always wanting to be a teacher, always wanting to be in education. And that year around Thanksgiving, she mentioned that a lot of her students weren't going to get Christmas gifts. And I was blown away when I heard of missions. I always thought of global missions. And I just, I grew up serving the inner city with my family, but really my whole growing up years in elementary, middle and high school, we always worked to provide for global missions. And there wasn't a whole lot of understanding of what local missions looked like other than my family. But so we just decided to provide her classroom in the classroom next door with Christmas gifts and collected all of those. My high school originally, they probably wouldn't want me to say this, but um, originally denied me. They said we were asking too much of parents um, to spend money to do missions, which blew my mind. And so I kind of just decided, I felt, you know, like the Lord had put it on my heart. So I had just a notebook piece of paper and was having high school kids sign up on lockers to bring in a $10, $15 toy and wrapped them and spent the day with them. And the Lord really transformed my heart as an 18 year old in that moment. I really feel like he said, Hey, this isn't about the gifts. It's not about what you can give. It's about the relationship that you're building. And that just kind of transformed me. And even going into college, I feel like he used that moment to shape my view of relationships and ultimately my view of relationship that I could have with him. So I went to the college and did it again, ended up just growing it, founded an official 501c as a freshman at the College of Charleston. It truly started as all grassroots of <laughs> typing it up on a Word document, having, you know, really in that stage of like, God, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I know you're asking me to do it. You've put it on my heart. So I'm just going to put all my thoughts on a Word document and I'm going to send it out to literally every club, CFC, local business I could find on the internet. We adopted 40 students my first year and we grew to 900 students, every single student in a Title I school and founded that and just kept growing it. That's where you got to see some of the wow. beginning stages of, of really we focused on that. And then the Lord provided an opportunity when I graduated to teach full time at the Title I school that I had been student teaching at or step in and step out in faith to do Charleston Hope. And I got a lot of backlash on the worldly side, I would say, because I had scholarships that if I taught for four years, I wouldn't be in debt. And if I did the route of Charleston Hope, I would come out with $50,000, $60,000 of debt. And it was really tough, but ended up just trusting the Lord and saying like, you know, I couldn't understand like why the Lord had asked me to build this if he wanted me to leave it or go in a different direction at that time in my life. And so I took the leap of faith and now we're in eight Title I schools. We have a staff of four and we have a mentoring program. We have a girls empowerment program. We still do our holiday gift giving and provide gifts to over 2,500 students. And this year we're doing every teacher and staff in the building. 
And our ultimate mission is just to empower our students and teachers really for success and ultimately for them to be able to do what God has called them to do. So we get to be in our schools every day. We have offices in the schools, which is where we'll always stay just because we get to build those relationships. And that's at the core of who we are. We believe relationships are what will change lives. So that's, that's our story. Yeah. Most of it. Yeah. Well, I love it. And you know what our podcast listeners might not know, but my kids go to a Title I school here in Charleston. So this is massively personal for me. And I mean, you're, you are serving my kids friends in the most beautiful way Mm -hmm. and it's just massively impactful. So I'm so thankful. I'm so, so thankful. Okay, so when you are melding all of these things, Charleston Hope, being a pastor's wife, being a young woman, like figuring out life on mission, what have been some of the toughest parts? Like what are the hardest parts of your day-to-day life right now? And how is God meeting you in that? Great question, because it's so my life right now, Um, especially the last nine months have been with carrying Charleston Hope and going through some valleys and highs or mountaintops of Charleston Hope, really on the last six months. And then we moved downtown because God had called us downtown. And it's just been a long six months of that. And then just stuff at our church. But for me, learning how to combine Andrew, my husband and I's mission with Charleston Hope's mission, I, for the longest time have separated the two. And I have said like, God has asked you to do that. And God has asked me to do this. And it felt like they were competing and it was ruining me. I was getting a little frustrated at you know, if he had to be at church things or in ministry and I had to do Charleston Hope and I didn't feel like he was caring enough and just all of that. And actually I heard you and Nick talking about this at, I think it was the, one of your first women's event. Cause I get to be in Charleston. So I get to learn from you in person. So, <laughs> but you guys had said when you're married, it, it becomes one mission and and the Lord combines the two. And that really impacted me. And that's something I'm still walking through now because I I truly believe like Satan wants me to see it as two missions because he wants them to compete and he wants them to create division in our marriage. And that's something I'm learning is just how to, how to support, how to be a part of his ministry, because I don't sing, like I don't play an (laughs) instrument. So there's just little ways that I've never had to, I would say like go this far for someone to try to be a part of what God has asked them to do on a daily basis. Yeah. So I I would say that's a struggle. And then just leading Charleston hope. I think I struggle a lot with feeling so young being 24. I think that's kind of the biggest voice that Satan uses to put in my head of you're only 24, you know, like you don't really know what you're doing. You can't lead a staff. You can't do this. You don't have all structures in place. Like you can't grow a nonprofit. And so that that's really tough. But luckily I'm a huge proponent for having a war room. So I've got a closet that I just have scripture and I can just tuck away in for a while. I'm a huge believer in bold, intentional prayers. So yeah. Bringing those specifics to the Lord and, and just being vulnerable with him. I think sometimes I feel like, although I know he, he knows all my thoughts and, and knows all my struggles, I sometimes struggle with bringing them to him. Yeah. But having that place where I know like, hey, this room is just dedicated or this space is just dedicated for you to journal or write or be vulnerable and put it all before him. I don't know. I I think I'm a compartmentalizer. So having that dedicated space has been just really an area that I can grow and and lean into him and feel closer to him. Mm. 
Yeah, those two things are kind of what I think I've been struggling with are just walking through the last nine months to a year. (laughs) I feel that. I mean, as a 34-year-old teaching the Bible and leading people, I still feel very young. So I get it. I feel that is real. Uh, And we have so many listeners who are in college or just out of college, young married gals, or if not, the thing is so many women feel ill-equipped for where God has placed them. So speak Mm -hmm. a little bit, I mean, even about like that first Timothy four, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, set an example for believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. What has that looked like as a leader to just like believe God's truth about yourself? How does that like flesh out on a daily basis? So I think really what I've learned and and what has helped me so much and what I've struggled with a lot in that sense too, is kind of two things is one that my identity isn't in my calling Mm. and that Charleston Hope is not my identity. And for the longest time, eight years, all through college building it, I felt so much. That's who I was to people. I I was just this girl who was building a nonprofit, you know, when she should be out in college and almost felt this weight that I could never live up to carrying. And it so many times I wanted to be like, I'm just a, I'm just a college girl. Like I'm just doing what God asked me to do. And that's something that I've really had to hold on to because in our world where you can have both one side, one hour, you know, you feel so lifted, you feel so encouraged, but then the next hour you walk away and feel discouraged. It's like, I have to keep that mindset of like, I'm, I'm just being obedient to what God has called me to do. That's right. And learning too, that my purpose is set apart from my calling. Mm -hmm. My calling is my mission and my assignment that God has asked me to do. But my purpose is to love God and to glorify him and to bring people to his kingdom. And it was the hardest thing to separate those two because I had let my identity become my calling. And Mm. it was getting to the point where people would have to sit down with me and say, I don't want to know about Charleston Hope. Like, I want to know who Emily is. Like, I want to know how Emily is doing. Because as soon as people would say, how are you? I'm talking about work. I'm talking about my calling. It's, it's what I do 12 hours a day, every day of the week, things like that. And it had just become so swept up in me. And then I just, you know, had to separate that. That's my calling and that's what I get to do. But also what I get to do is I get to live in my purpose and God's placed so much on me. And I've walked through so many seasons in college, seasons of grief that have taught me so much about this, that just identity and freedom and things like that. But really that separation of the two has benefited me so much. First, every day when I I wake up, I'm called to glorify him and to bring it all to him and to be his daughter first, and then to go out and to run on mission and to be on mission with the assignments and the gifts and the people that he's called me to live it out with. So that's been really helpful for me. I hope I answered the question. Yeah, you did. Okay. So here's my first follow-up question that I think a lot of women are going to want to hear and that I'm, I'm excited because I think I already know a little bit of the answer, but the the first would be, how did you know Charleston Hope was your calling? And my second follow-up question would be, do you think it's your calling forever? Do you think it's what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life? How I think that I knew my calling, and and this is something too that I process through almost every day, you know, because it's like, is this my calling? But, But I truly know that it is, 
And I think honestly, when I was in a, a dark season of grief where I had to come to a point where I had to ask God and I questioned so much like, God, why did you ask me to build this organization? Why did you ask me to do this? And in that moment of grief, I can remember laying in my bed and, and having this conversation with God and just in that dark place. And I, and I said, and I was like, why did you do this? Like, why did you take someone so important away from me that was helping me with this calling. Like I thought we were going to do this together, all that kind of stuff came to that point where I just had to ask why. And I think I've realized that callings aren't necessarily based off of emotions, because if I were in that moment to just quit, I don't think that it would have been my calling because I feel like the Lord sustained this, this desire to make a difference right here in my community and, and to continue doing this mission And ultimately, I feel like my calling isn't necessarily Charleston Hope. I feel like my calling, which I feel like I've learned in the last several months, my calling is to bring hope to to hopeless situations. My calling is to bring love and joy in the midst of disparity and darkness. And the Lord used a situation that I went through to give me the best picture, I think, of what that could look like. And I serve differently with Charleston Hope because of that. I think I know that I'm called because... I think if I got down to the way I feel about it, the calling in me, like it doesn't waver. Like my feelings could be like, this is really hard. This is tough. This is just frustrating. Or I want to quit sometimes because it's so hard. But the Lord just constantly whispers in my ear, like I've assigned this to you. Like I've given it to you. I've asked you. That's probably a question, you know, I, I can always keep processing through. Well, but. one thing I want to encourage you with and, and just like speak over what I've seen in you and what, what I've seen in the way you lead just here in Charleston is this. And, and this is what we encourage women with all the time at Go and Tell Gals. Like the point is not to determine the exactly right call that God has, has written over your life, right? Like the mm-hmm. end goal of our lives is not to be right. Yes. The end goal of our lives is to worship. And so, so often I just encourage women and say, what do you have in your hands and what problems do you see in front of you and just try like that may be your calling for this season to use what you've got in your hands to meet the problem in front of you for the good of others and the glory of God and the point isn't to like determine the exact right call and like we're safe to mess it up and so yes. on hard days, right, you don't have to like wonder, did I do the wrong thing? Did I try the wrong thing? Because you know two things. People are being served and God's getting glory. I just think especially our generation is really obsessed with hearing this exact right path from God or like, I want to know that I'm doing the exact right thing or I want to know that I'm in the exact right spot. And I think that, thank God, we have a Holy Spirit and a comforter who talks to us and connects with us and intercedes on our behalf and does communicate God's best to us so often. Often, but I just think so many times mission is just meeting the problems in front of us with what we have in our hands for the glory of God and the good of others. And that's what I've seen you do via Charleston Hope in the most beautiful way. You know, I don't know if it felt like a lightning bolt moment of like, <laughs> no. you know, or like a, I think so many women are waiting on a miraculous word from God or a dream or a perfect plan. Like you didn't even start with a perfect plan. You just started oh, with a, yeah, a desire to help and serve. And, and, and that has fleshed itself out so beautifully. So then to my next question, do you feel like this is it forever? Do you feel like this is what he's called you to for the long haul? I don't know. Uh, That's something I've been praying for forever. I'd say I don't know because it seems a little scary of like, oh, I'm 24 and 
the rest of my life, this is the job that I'm doing in it. And it's a balance because, you know, in the, the outside world, people are like, oh, you'll never climb the ladder. Like you're the executive director and the founder. For me, you know, obviously it's not about that. So honestly, I don't ever see myself backing away from Charleston Hope. I think that there will be seasons that my calling with Charleston Hope will look differently and that there will be times where just that season of this calling with Charleston Hope will just go, you know, you know, who knows when I get pregnant, you know, and have a child one day and I want a lot of kids. And, but I, I do believe that this is that Charleston Hope is something that I will be a part of and I will continue to be a part of and continue to grow and to lead. And I truly believe that will just look different in different seasons. And that's, that's the heart that I want to have, because I feel that if I have this mindset of this is what I have to do every single season, then I'll miss the other seasons that God has for me and the other seasons that God will use to grow me and to shape me. And, and it goes back to, and I I just want to touch on what you just said too, Jess, that it's so true. I didn't start I didn't start with anything. You know, I started at a kitchen table and it's so true. And I, and I read this, this quote one time and it was like, your calling is where your deepest desire and the world's biggest hunger meets. And when I think about that moment, I think about like, I just had this desire to, I wouldn't even say that I had this desire to be obedient to God because I was 18, you know, I was getting ready to go to college, but I had this desire to serve. I had this desire to help. And at that kitchen table, exactly what you said, like a need was presented. And because I put my yes on the table and when we put our yes on the table, we don't know what the Lord, you know, is going to use that yes and what he's going to create that yes through to bring him all the glory back to it. And that's just, it's just, it's so true. And I think, you know, when we live in our purpose and, and that our purpose is to love God and serve others and to bring him the glory through it all and to further his kingdom here on earth. When we live in that purpose, then I, I truly believe that the Lord just reveals different ways for us to do that. And that could look like a calling and being a stay at home mom or being an executive director or being a pastor's wife or being someone in the corporate world, that there are different things. But if our purpose is grounded in who God says we are, and if our purpose is grounded in what God has for us, then the calling I think is just like, I'm just going to be obedient and that's to serve and to love others. So good. So good. Okay, friends, I want to invite you to hit pause on your podcast app or wherever you're listening. And will you just join me in praying for Emily and praying for Charleston Hope? Will you ask God to give them vision? Will you ask God to give them clarity? Will you ask God to give them strength and finances and more hands for the work that they have? Yeah, let's just fight with her and and fight and believe for her and thank God for all that he's already done in and through her and her ministry. you're balancing all this, as you're carrying all this, as you're obediently following what God's asked you to do, what is helping? Are there small like tips or tricks that are helping you run on mission in an abundant way? Are there just any little tools that have, have served you as you serve other people? Yeah. Um, several of them. One is I love, and I've started doing this more and more, just having my headphones in and having time each day that I do have my headphones in and whether that's I'm listening to worship music or I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to a book. And I just want to hear the wisdom 
whether it's from, from worship songs or a podcast or a book that the Lord can just use really to shape my heart and to shape my leadership. So, so that's one thing I do. I like to exercise that helps me a lot just with the stress and my favorite thing. (laughs) And one thing I do is I take a lot of baths. Um, (laughs) I love it. People think I'm crazy. I could take two to three baths a day, but I take a bath just about every night, even if it's just for 15 or 20 minutes. And it really doesn't charge our water bill that much, but also it's something that my husband and I were like, Hey, if this is something that relaxes me and this is something that can help me settle down and unwind. And typically I'll have my Bible in there. I'll be reading my Bible app on the phone. It's worth a little bit extra money that we have to pay, but that <laughs> happens every night. And that is the reset button. And then if I'm super stressed, I'll wake up the next day and take a bath in the morning. So baths are my time to put my social media away and to just you know, just to be with the Lord or even just to lay in the dark. Sometimes I just lay in the dark with not even candles. And I just lay in the hot bath with my eyes closed and do nothing. I love it. So good. Hey friends, I want to take a minute in the middle of this podcast to make sure that you know about Go Teams. Go teams are just one arm of what we do here at Go and Tell Gals, but it is our intentional coaching groups where we encourage women in their individual callings. If you don't know what we're talking about, here's the quick story. Go teams are groups of 15 women who receive online coaching in their calling while entering into intentional community to spur one another on. You might not know this, but I've been coaching women for years and years in small business and in ministry and also in all things publishing. And genuinely, my heart is to see as many women as possible step into the gifts God has given them to use what they've got for his glory and the good of others. But we realized a few months ago that there was a flaw in my coaching and that women needed other women to spur them on and keep them excited about what God had asked them to do. They needed other women to walk with after the coaching was over. So we restructured everything and introduced Go Teams. And now three times a year, we take 90 women through this online coaching process in their individual callings. And then we also resource them with one another with groups that they can keep going as long as they like. If you want to hear more about Go Teams, we are launching our next set of teams in January 2019 and spots open this week. Make sure you're following the Go and Tell Gals Instagram or that you've subscribed to our newsletter so you can get more information. We would love to see the seeds that God has planted in you come to the surface. We would love to encourage you in the gifts he's given you, and we would love to give you everything we've got to spur you on and keep you encouraged. Spitfire questions to end. So speaking of having your headphones in, listening to books, is there a book you're currently reading or listening to that's been inspiring or helpful? Yes, I'm actually reading a book right now. It's called The Third Option by Miles McPherson. And that goes a lot with the work that we do at Charleston Hope and based off of building racial equity and unity the way God has designed it. So I'm loving that book right now. Yeah, we love Miles. I think you're the third podcast guest to say that's the book they're currently reading. So that's awesome. Um, that's a word for somebody. Somebody needs that's to right. look at that book, and we cannot suggest <laughs> it enough. Absolutely. 
Do you have a favorite coffee order? Yes, I get, I'm a Starbucks girl, no shame. I'm a venti iced coffee with four pumps of vanilla and light cream. Okay, all right. I love it. <laughs> I, I love people who are not scared to say like, I want it exactly this way, please. And yep. I love it. So good, so good. Okay, do you have a secret talent? that people don't know about? Oh, I don't even know. I should have, <laughs> <laughs> I guess not if I don't, if I can't think of one. No, yeah, I don't think so. That's all right. Honestly, that's I don't think okay. so. <laughs> I always say I don't really have one. I have like hopeful ones. Like I have, yes. like, I'm like, I'd really like to be good at spoken word. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> but I'm not, but one day I'm, I'm praying. All right. Lastly, do you have a favorite lipstick? Do you wear lipstick? Are you a chapstick girl? Like what's your jam and what do you like? I'm not a lipstick girl. I'm not a lip gloss girl. Although that is a hopeful wish. Like you just said, that's, I'm praying that the Lord just puts that on my heart to be a lipstick girl. Cause I love it. I love the way that it looks on people, but I've got some, I just have dry lips cause I lick my lips a lot. It's probably TMI, but, um, <laughs> so I, I'm a, I'm a chapstick girl. I love it. Well, you, yeah. you know, if you're a chapstick girl and you want to wear lipstick, Here's my suggestion for you is Glossier's lipstick. It's called like Generation G. It's like a chapstick, but it's got color and it's really good pigment and it's really pretty and like simple. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. It's like very <laughs> inexpensive. Glossier is a great company. You know, they, they're sustainable and environmentally conscious. It's a, it's a good one. Oh, awesome. Well, Emily, thank you so much. Thanks for just sharing a little bit of the story of Charleston Hope with us. And we're just excited to see what God continues to do in you and your team in the city and in the kingdom because of your obedience. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. winding down for the year. We have episodes coming out every week from now until Christmas, and we are already recording episodes for 2019. Remember when we started a podcast? That was just in the last few months, and it has been so fun, and it has been such a joy to bring these conversations to you. We're excited about all that God's doing. If you haven't already, will you do me a favor? Will you go subscribe on iTunes? Will you leave a review? Will you tell a friend about the podcast? If it's been encouraging to you, we want to help get the word out. We want to encourage and equip as many women as possible in our generation. We are so thankful for you, and we pray you're having an incredible day. Music.